So 2,000 years ago, this little boy was born. This little kid was a very, very, very special kid. His, his mom and dad knew it, just like this all parents, right? When your kid is born, you, you know there's something unique and special about this kid. And, and, and not only that, he's, he, he could be your first son that you, you, you have. And, and you know there's something unique about this kid. And just like every Jewish kid at that time, this is 2,000 years ago. And it's kind of hard for us to imagine what it would be like living 2,000 years ago. But just like all the Jewish kids, when he turned five, he went to school. And when he went off to school, he began to learn about the Old Testament. In fact, before the age of 12, he had the first five books of the Bible memorized. You know what one of those books is? Leviticus. If you memorize the book of Leviticus, you get extra credit when you get to heaven. Come on now, like you get, you get extra credit. And so the teachers know there's something different about this kid. Like he's so sharp, he's so smart, top of the class, A on a roll. He's ready, sits in the front row, ready to take notes and ready to learn. And he's like, there's something just so good about this kid. And the parents knew it. The parents, you know, parents, you know, like, man, there's something unique and special about my son. Well, just like every kid by the age of 12, he has a choice now. Are you gonna follow in your father's footsteps and become a carpenter, fisher, farmer, rancher? Are you gonna go on to school? Well, the teachers went to the boy and said, listen, man, listen, you really got what it takes. I would encourage you to go to the next level in your training in school because you're super smart. Like, I mean, I really see potential in your life. You, you have some really good things going for you. And so the parents go to the little boy and say, listen, you know, I think that you, I think you should listen to your teachers. I think that, that you, could, you could be something very special because you're so smart and you're, you're so eloquent with your words and you, you're such a good speaker, there's, there's something great about you. So the little boy listens to their teacher and their parents and they said, you know what, let's do it. Instead of following my father in his footsteps and being a carpenter or a fisherman or whatever it may be, I'm gonna go on to school. And now at the age of 16, from the age 12 to 16, he learns all about the prophets. And by the age of 16, he has the whole Old Testament memorized. Like, that's insane. Like, today we have verses and chapters that makes it really easy for us to memorize. Not this kid, not back, not back in the day, not 2,000 years ago. It was nothing but lines and nothing but just sentences upon sentences. And watch this, he had the whole Old Testament memorized. Well, at the age of 16, a rabbi will begin looking for his apprentice. Who could, be, who could be my apprentice? And so he scouts out the classroom. He looks for the Harvard grad. Which one's the sharpest? Which one has what it takes to really be a rabbi? And a rabbi would come and say, I wanna pick you to be my apprentice. And all of a sudden, the 16-year-old boy, he's like, man, this is unbelievable. You know, like, like, you want me to be a rabbi? You think I have what it takes to be a rabbi? And he goes, I want you to follow me. And the parents are so excited. I mean, they're so excited. Like on the back of, on the back of their, like, you know, their bumper sticker on their horse and buggy, it says, my son's a, a, you know, a rabbi in training. And everybody's excited you know, about their son. And, and they're so, because they believe you know, my son's unique. Something's different about him. And so when you follow the rabbi, you did everything that the rabbi would do. So if the rabbi walked to the marketplace and pick up a piece of fruit and he would smell the fruit and put it down, the apprentice, the one in training would come by and they would pick it up and they would smell it. Wherever the rabbi went, you went, whatever he did, he, you did, whatever he said, you would say. You mimicked your rabbi 24 seven. In fact, it was said that as you would follow your rabbi, the dust of his robe would collect onto the apprentice and he would be covered in the dust as he would follow his rabbi. He walked so close 
to his rabbi. So now this 16-year-old boy, he's got the best rabbi, he's in training, everything's really good, and finally comes to the day that he can become his own rabbi. Like, I mean, this is where you get the, your, your graduation cords, you know what I'm saying? For some of you, I don't know what that's like, right? You get the graduation cords, you distinguished, you're the best, you're the, you know, the Yale, the Harvard grad, and, and now you're a rabbi, you can teach with your own authority, you can teach the Word of God, and now you're looking for your apprentice. But again, something so unique about you and there's something different about how you teach, how you carry yourself. And now you apply to be a Pharisee and now you become one of the most elite Pharisees in all of Israel. And now your parents are going, I knew something special about my baby boy. I knew something was so good about him. He's a Pharisee, my son's a Pharisee. I mean, he's one of the top righteous person in all of Israel. And now all the Pharisees see how eloquent you are and how wise you are and how you handle the Old Testament, how you handle God's word and how eloquent you are when you teach in the synagogue. And so now the Sanhedrin, the next level up in this Jewish line here, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, says there's something unique about this guy right here. I think he should be on our team. I think he should help us govern Israel. And so they come to you and they say, we'd like for you to be part of this team. And you're like, me, me part of this team? I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? And so now this guy is on the Jewish council. He's on the Sanhedrin team and he is the elite. He's now made it to the top where he governs the people of Israel when it comes to the teaching of the law. Well, time has passed now and now they're looking for a new teacher to be the man to be the teacher of Israel, to be the mouthpiece, to be the one who speaks on behalf of God, teaching his, his word to all those who come sit in the synagogue to hear God's oracles. And guess who they pick? This guy. Here he was, nothing, just a, just a little Jewish boy born, and at the age of five, go to age of 12, memorize the whole Old Testament. From age of 12 to age 16, memorize all the prophets and what the law, by age 16, has the whole Bible memorized. Now, following a rabbi, becomes a rabbi, becomes part of the Jewish council, and now the Sanhedrin, and now they picked him to be the teacher, the man in Israel, the most powerful man in Israel who can persuade them from God's word, the teacher. Could you imagine if that was you and you brought all the way to the top and now you teach in the synagogue and now you're teaching about the laws of God and how to obey Moses and the Ten Commandments and the customs and people come and bring your questions to you about the Bible or the Old Testament and you would speak eloquent to them with, with humility and respect and they're like, man, this guy is amazing. Something is so good and unique about this guy. Well, there's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you're a master of the Old Testament. God has been silent. And you're being faithful, teaching God's word under the Roman oppressor. And the Roman has oppressed Israel. But you are the mouthpiece to control Israel from God's word because you are the teacher of the law. And now all this news around town. Did you hear about this new kid on the block? Who's this new kid on the block? You know, this is supposed to be Mary's son. This is Joseph the carpenter's kid. Who is this guy named Jesus that people talking about? Is he not the one over here that we saw that, you know, from the middle of nowhere? Is he, he's not the one that, don't, can he, he can't even trace his, can he trace his genealogy back? All the, is he really from God? Because his God's over here doing miracles. So now you're the teacher. You're the teacher of Israel. So all the people come to the synagogue and he sits up there and next thing you know, people start raising their hand. Excuse me, sir. What about this man named Jesus? Well, what about him? He claims to be God. Well, that's blasphemy. He can't be God. 
But have you seen his miracles? Well, what miracles? He's healing people and the sick and, and the dead and all this stuff is just crazy, man. Like, he's healing people and he's teaching with authority. Like, he's dumbfounded all the Pharisees when all the righteous people who quote scripture to him, he quotes it back and he knows it better than them. Who is this guy named Jesus? And of course, you're the teacher saying, shh, shh, everybody, everybody, calm down, calm down, all this ruckus and all this in Israel right now, just calm down. Here's what we know about God's word. Here's what, and you try your best to shepherd the people of Israel because you're the man. You're the teacher of the law. And all of a sudden, everybody just kind of listens to you, but they still have questions about Jesus. And now, next thing you know, everyone else in your inner circle, the Jewish council, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, this is blasphemy. Who is this man? How in the world can he claim to be God's son? How can he say he's from God? Did you see him in school? Has he had any formal training? Who was his rabbi? Who taught him? Where did he come from? Well, I don't know. Nazareth, Mary, Joseph's kid. That's all I know, man. But he's doing miracles. Has anybody seen his miracles? You have? Was it amazing? Was it real? Man, it was right in front of my eyes. I don't know, somebody just stretched their hand out and the their hand grew back. It was just, dude, unless I'm seeing things, I, it was crazy. What about you? Did you hear anything? So listen, you are genuinely, as the teacher, trying your best to figure out what is going on with this man named Jesus. So you decide for yourself because you're a true seeker. You decide for yourself, I gotta go find out who this guy is. But if I go in public and people see me talking to him in public, then my name's on the line. By the way, I'm the teacher of Israel. I'm the man when it comes to the law. So how can I do this? I got an idea. I'm gonna wait till evening, I'm gonna wait till it gets dark, and I'm gonna secretly sneak over and talk to Jesus myself so I can examine him myself before I stand up in the synagogue and begin to tell people about who he is, if he's really from God or not. I gotta figure this out because the message he preaches is different than the message I'm preaching. Now you gotta understand something about this guy. This guy who's the teacher of law was the most righteous one of them all. He would pray three times a day. He would fast twice a week. He tithes every single thing that comes his way. Like when we talk about tithing, right, we bring back to God 10% of what he's blessed us with. So every time you get paid, you take a test. Am I gonna trust myself? Am I gonna trust my employer? Am I gonna trust God who provides for me? So God, I'm gonna bring back 10% to you. We've talked about that over and over and over. So I'm gonna bring back that this guy was so righteous, he would tithe every single thing that comes to him. If he goes to the garden and grows a garden, he has 10 cucumbers, he'll give one to the Lord. If you stop by and gave him eight apples or 10 apples and say, thank you so much for all you do, he'd give an apple to the Lord. He would take his spices and divvy them out and give 10% of the spices to the Lord. He wanted to make sure that he did nothing to make God mad. This guy was the most righteous one of all of Israel. Listen, when it comes to being good, he's the best. None of us, I mean none of us, could be as good as this guy. And he had to be if he became the teacher. Because if you're the teacher, you have to set the example. You have to follow the law all the way through. And so this guy was so good, but he knows something is missing. And so what he does, he finds Jesus. This actually is a true story. 
This is actually how he would have been brought up and he would have been raised. This is actually his parents would have thought something. He went off to school from 5 to 12. He would have exceeded from 12 to 16, would have exceeded and had a rabbi become a Pharisee, the Sanhedrin, and now the teacher. And you know this guy, and I know this guy as the name of Nicodemus. And we find his story. That's his backstory. We pick up with the story in John chapter 3 because he has to find out really, truly, is this man really from God? So in John 3, verse 1, it says, there was a certain man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. This is him. He was a member of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin team. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, listen, he, he respected me. You are a rabbi. You're a teacher of God's word. No one could teach the way you teach if they were not from God. Look what he says. We know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's genuinely seeking he really respects Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, well, let's get to the real reason why you're here, Nick. What's the real reason? Verse three. Jesus says, I tell you the solemn truth, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how in the world can a man be born when he's old? Can he not enter back in his mom's belly in her womb and be born a second time? And then look what he says. Can he? Like he believed in Jesus so much that he believed that if Jesus says a full grown man can get back in his mama's stomach and can be born again, that it would happen. That's how much he respected. Could that happen? He believed him. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Look what he said in verse five. I tell you the solemn truth, Nick. Unless a person is born from water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh and what is born of the spirit is spirit. See, Nick, here's what you gotta know, bro. You gotta have two birthdays, and you've only had one. You were physically born. You've only had one birthday, you gotta have two. You see, I was born April 26, 1977. That was my first birthday. My second one was September the 2nd, 1997, when I was born from above. I was born spiritually, I was born again. See, Nick, you gotta have to have two birthdays. You're born of the flesh, but you gotta be born of the spirit. You've been born from below, from your mom, but you gotta be born from above, from the spirit of God. How do you not know this, Nick? You're the teacher. How do you not know that the Old Testament points to this? How do you not see this? You see, Nick, there's two families when it comes to this world. There's the family of God and there's the family of the devil, John 8, 44. You're either born of the flesh of the devil and he's your father or your heavenly father, God, Yahweh. We talk about he's your father. There's only two families. And so you either gotta be the part of the family of God or you're part of the family of the devil. You should know this, John. You should know this, Nick. You gotta be born again. And then look what happened in verse seven. Jesus says, don't be amazed that I said to you. See, Jesus can see his heart. He can see his, he says something. Don't be amazed when I tell you that you gotta be born from the above. You see, Nick, when the wind blows wherever it will, you hear the sound that it makes, but you don't know where it comes from. You can see the reaction from the wind, but you, don't, you can't see the wind itself. And the same way it is he who is born of the spirit, is the wind is born of the spirit. Now here's what's so fascinating. Here's what he's saying, Nick. You know why you're here, Nick? Because the Spirit of God blew you here. The Spirit of God drew you here as the teacher of Israel, the teacher of, the Spirit drawed you here to me for me to tell you who is the man who is righteous as all righteous can get out. You tithe, you fast, you pray, you read, you memorize, you meditate. You are good, but you're not good enough. You've gotta be born from the Spirit, not just born from the flesh. Why should you not know this? Why should you be amazed? And then look what he says, verse nine. How can these things be? 
Nick's sitting here scratching his head going, from my training from five years old till today as the teacher of the law, how did I miss this? How do I not know this? How can this be? And then look, Jesus tells him, you're the man. Look what he says. Are you the teacher? Now, English definitely wasn't my strength, but I know the is a definite article. He didn't say, are you a teacher? Are you one of many teachers? You're the teacher of Israel, man. Like, you're the mouthpiece of God. You, you shepherd the sheep. Like, you're the one who's supposed to correct, direct, rebuke, and you don't know this? How do you not know this, Nick, from five years old, all the way through Jewish law, all the way through school? You graduated from Harvard, dude. You are the man. You're the teacher of Israel. How do you miss this? How can you not see this? So he says in verse 11, I tell you the solemn truth. We speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. You Pharisees, you Sanhedrin, the council, y'all don't accept it. Verse 12, if I have told you about people of earthly things and you don't believe me, how will you believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has descended into heaven except the one who has, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, which is the Son of Man, which was Jesus talking about himself. And then Jesus throws this verse out about Moses. Why? Because he's an Old Testament scholar. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So Nick, so that everyone who believes in him, when the Son of Man's lifted up, look what he says, they may have eternal life. And the moment he quoted verse 14, Nick, who was a master of the Old Testament, automatically knows in Numbers chapter 21 the story. The people of God had unbelief against him. They didn't believe that God could protect them. They didn't believe that God would take care of them. And God allowed poisonous snakes to go through the camp of Israel. And Israelites were dying left and right of the poison. It was the judgment because of their unbelief. And the Israelites repented and they cried out to God and said, God, please save us. And God said, okay, make a bronze serpent, put it on top of a pole, put it on a stick, raise the serpent up, and everyone who looks at the serpent will be healed. That's exactly what Jesus says. As the serpent was raised, so the son of man will be raised. And Jesus is saying, listen, there was a poison running through the camp. And when they looked up onto the pole, they were healed. In the same way, the Messiah, the son of God, the son of man, will be lifted up on a pole. And I, Nick, man, he is so smart. Nick knew the Old Testament. And Nick knows that anyone who dies on a tree, the scripture says, is cursed. Anyone who dies on a pole, God has cursed them. He knows that. He's the teacher. And what Jesus was saying, Nick, you don't understand. There is poison that runs through your veins. There's poison that runs through your blood. There's poison inside of you. And it's called sin. And that poison, when you were born of the flesh, was passed down to you. That's why you gotta be born again. And what you need to know, Nick, is that when the Son of Man is lifted up on the pole, whoever believes and looks to the Son of Man will be healed. You see, my curse became your cure. 
Nick, you gotta be born again. How do you not see this? You're the teacher of the law. And you're sitting here probably thinking, what does that gotta do with me? How, what does that have to do with me? Well, let's, let's, let's walk through this. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit blew you in here today. The reason you are here today is because God in his sovereignty has blown you in here by the Spirit. He has drew you in here because nothing in your flesh wants to seek the things of God. And you may be here because someone's being baptized. You may be here because someone promised you some food afterwards. You may be here because you're checking the box off. You are here because God brought you here today by no excuse. He brought you here. Or second thing you need to know about this story is that your goodness will never save you. I wonder how many people put their faith in their good works. I go to church, I tithe, I read my Bible, I pray, I serve. Nick did all that. God was saying, listen, if you really want to see the kingdom of God, Nick, it's, <laughs> you're trying to be righteous on your own and you can't be. That's why you have to look to me. And if you'll believe in me, you'll be saved, not because of your works. Listen to me. If you're standing at the gates of heaven and the keeper of the gates look at you and say, why should you enter into heaven? If the first word's out of your mouth because I, you missed it. You missed it. Why shall I let you in? Because I am a pretty good person. Because I go to church. Because I read my Bible. Because I tithe. Because I was baptized. Because I went to camp. Because I serve. None of those things can save you. The correct response is because Jesus saved me. You remember the man hanging on the cross? You know what his prayer was? Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And that was enough to save him. He didn't have time to come back down to be baptized. He didn't have time to come back down to make things right. He didn't have time to come down to go to church. He didn't have time to come down and pray and fast and meditate and tithe. He just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus saved him. See, some of you, you're here and you think by being good, it makes you right with God. And Nick shows us the true story, you'll never be good enough. Jesus is the only thing that makes you right with God. And in this story, and in this story, comes the most famous verse in all the Bible. The most famous verse that everyone knows even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe in God, everyone has seen this verse and know this verse. So listen to what Jesus says to Nicodemus. For this is the way that God loved the world, Nick. John 3, 16. That he gave his one and only son that everyone, who's everyone? 
good people, bad people, poor people, rich people, white people, black people, doesn't matter who you are, your nationality, doesn't matter what, what tongue you speak, it doesn't matter your status in life, doesn't matter who you are, everyone on the planet, anyone, anyone includes you. But pastor, I'm not good enough. You don't know what I've tried, what I said. Anyone is included, but I will never, anyone is concluded. Then what is it? If so that everyone, look what he says, here it is. He gave his one and only son that everyone who goes to church, reads the Bible, tithe, fast, pray, serve. That's not what he says. Look what he says. Believes in him, will not die, but have everlasting life. So here's my question. Do you believe? Oh yeah, pastor, I believe y'all, absolutely. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe. Well, the devil believes, and the devil's not going to heaven. So do you have the right belief? Well, what's the right belief? That you believe in Jesus so much that it radically altered and changed your life, and you don't give a rip about the consequences, what people think. If you say you believe in Jesus and it has not changed your life, you have the wrong belief. You cannot believe in Jesus to stay the same. So do you believe? And you know what's so fascinating about this story? You know what I love about this story? Is that at the end, at 3 p.m. on Friday when Jesus gave his spirit to the Father and he died and we celebrate Easter on that day. Joseph Aramath goes and it says, can we have the body of Jesus? We have to get him properly buried before 6 p.m. because that's when the Sabbath started. So we found the tomb, we borrowed the tomb, we just gotta put the body in there. Can we have the body? And they said, sure, you can take the body. And guess who takes the body of Jesus? Nick. The teacher, the man who secretly went to Jesus to find out if he truly is the Messiah, now publicly displays, I don't care who knows it, I don't care if the synagogue, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, I don't care who knows that I follow Jesus, I don't care if I become ceremonially unclean for touching a dead corpse before the Sabbath. I'm gonna show the whole world that I believed that he was the Son of God. And today you get that opportunity to do that. Because when you are baptized, you are showing the whole world that you have died to your old self and you're raised to walk in a new life. It's a way that you go public for Jesus, just like Nick did, he went public and showed the whole world that he's not a secret follower of Jesus. And so just in a moment, we're gonna have an opportunity. Part of our experience today is baptism. And there's so many of you here, you're waiting. You're waiting to like, man, that's, I'm just not ready yet. I just don't know if I'm good enough. I gotta work on some things in my life. I gotta quit doing some stuff. Listen, you have been commanded by God to be baptized. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, when I finally get good enough, then I'll do it. You have been commanded to follow Jesus in baptism. And today you have that opportunity. And we've took out every excuse for you. Well, I don't know about my makeup, my hair, it doesn't matter. We have blow dryers, we have clothes to change it to. I don't care if you have to sit around wet. It's your day to go public and show the world that you follow Jesus. So I, wanna, I, want, I have two invitations. 
So here's the first one. I'm asking you to bow your head. Here's the first invitation. I beg you today to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. You would not even be here today if he didn't draw you. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've said, what I've done, what I did last night. I don't care. It doesn't matter. God brought you here this morning. He brought you here this morning. And so I beg you to give your life to Jesus. As the wind and the spirit blew you here, he's drawn you to himself. And right where you said, you could do this. Saying a prayer don't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And God has been working in your life and you're like, I want the right belief, belief in him, not belief in my good works, then this is for you. Say, Jesus, I believe. Go ahead, pray it to yourself. Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I repent of my sin. And I put all my faith and trust in you. Now help me follow you the rest of my life. Now, if that's you, when you just pray that with me right now, I want you to do something bold. Right now, if you prayed that with me, I want you to put your hand up right now. Get your hand up. You just pray. Come on, all over the place. Get it up. You don't be ashamed. Get your hand up. Come on, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. You got nothing to be ashamed of. Nick went public, you go public. Keep it up. You can put your hands down. I couldn't see everyone, but it looked about 17 people just gave their life to Jesus. Is that nothing to celebrate? I know this is not good grammar, but it's about to get gooder. Because everyone, you just raise your hand, listen, you know what your next step is? be baptized I don't know if you're ready the moment you give your life to Jesus you're ready and there's a lot of you in here you've been waiting to get baptized today's your day I mean today is your day and we have Pastor Brandon over here for anyone who wants to be baptized right now we got a couple songs we're gonna sing we're gonna we're gonna say you this is your day we got hair dry we got towels we got everything you need clothes to change into and we spontaneously had people get baptized this morning who says I'm not afraid of Jesus I'm not embarrassed of Jesus I don't care I'm not afraid what people think I'm going public and I'm going to show the whole world and some of you have been thinking about that and today is your day today is your day so here's what we're going to do I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're about to go into worship and if you're gonna take that step and get baptized, here's what I want you to do. When I begin to pray, you begin to move. You just step out and make your way right over here. Our team is waiting on you. They're ready for you. And you go public. You have nothing to be embarrassed about. Man, we're gonna lose our mind for you. So if that's you, you wanna be baptized. Anybody in the house, you ready to be baptized? Let's go. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every day. Thank you, God, for saving souls today. Thank you that salvation has visited the house today. That Holy Spirit, you're moved and only, I can't save people, no one can save, only you can save and God, you did that today. God, I pray a special blessing over your children who 
declared you publicly today as Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. You give them favor, God, in their family, in their community. And God, today you'll give them the confidence, the courage, the boldness to step out, whoever they are, by faith, and to be baptized. God, we celebrate. We can't wait to see what you're going to do. Now receive the praises of your people. It's in your name we ask and pray. Come on now. Amen.